you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. How's it feel to win this Super Bowl in the building that your brother built? You know, it just feels good to win a Super Bowl. It doesn't matter where you are or uh, what stadium. Indianapolis has been a great, a great host for the Super Bowl. But, uh, you know, I feel it's great for my teammates, my coaches, the Giants organization, uh, for all the dedication they put in this year to make this happen. Breaking news. Oh, my goodness. We have a whole podcast coming to you in a, a couple minutes, but we needed to come up here. Dan hands us along with Greg Rosenthal and Mark Sessler to discuss Eli Manning, who was uh, benched by the New York Giants and became official on Tuesday afternoon. Geno Smith will start on Sunday against the Oakland Raiders. Ben McAdoo, in a statement, uh, said, Geno will start this week. Over the last five games, we will take a look at Geno, and we will also give Davis Webb, the rookie third-round pick, an opportunity. Mark Sessler, we'll start with you. Let's unpack this. A real stunner for a Giants team. Eli Manning, yes, that was his second Super Bowl uh, win that we talked about off the, or we heard it on the top. Uh, and also, this team has been lost at sea, but Eli's always been the rock of this franchise, and all of a sudden, he's, he's gone. I don't know how you scapegoat Eli Manning for what has been an absolute disastrous season for the Giants. I, my one reaction is this is a terrible look for the franchise. It, this news broke about, what, 45 minutes ago? And you already see that the reaction is viciously negative for the franchise. And I'm not... It's easy to pin it on Ben McAdoo, but Ben McAdoo is a dead man walking who was put out here to make this look like he is part of the process. I'm not sure who made this decision and where it came from, how high up, probably very high up. But the fact is, this is about next year. The Giants are essentially in tank mode, and Eli Manning has been scapegoated unfairly. He has, and yet... Is he going to play for the Giants next year? Ben McAdoo said this is not the end of Eli oh, please. with the Giants. How does he know? Right. He is likely not going to be there. My feel, and, you know, seems educated at this point, is that Eli Manning's not on the team next year. Is Eli, is Geno Smith going to be on the team next year? Maybe. You know, maybe he'll be in that mix. Is Davis Webb going to be on the team next year? Yeah, he'll be on the team. Whoever made this decision, I don't know 
if they wanted to make a statement, if they wanted to see what the, the, they truly wanted to get some evaluation on these guys before making a decision, Jerry Reese, the general manager, is in the statement. He has a quote in the statement. So that right there is telegraphing that maybe he, you know, he's part of that decision-making maybe. product. A decision like this goes up to ownership. Whether it starts there or not, who knows? But Eli Manning has started 210 straight games the last quarterback to start for the Giants that wasn't Eli Manning is Kurt Warner. So it's crazy that it's Kurt Warner to Eli Manning to Geno Smith. So any decision like that, you you would think is a permanent decision that's like, Eli is not part of our future. Let's start the future right now. We don't care about the brushback we're going to get. It's stunning for, for someone from New York who has grown up, the Giants always make the right move, and especially... Um, when you're talking about the, one of the truly special players in franchise history, Eli owns every passing record the Giants of the Giants. He has the two Super Bowl MVPs. This is one of the saints of the organization, and that's why the reaction is so visceral right now. And the cynical side of me is saying, why are the Giants doing this? Because Eli is not having a terrible year. He's, he's surrounded by a beat-up team. He has no one to throw to. The offensive line stinks. It's a, it's a bad situation. So the cynical view for me is that the Giants, they already won a game they were surprised to win against the Chiefs. They are looking for a new quarterback, and they're taking Eli out of the mix and putting Geno Smith which is another slap in the face, having Geno being the guy. It's not even the kid that you're playing. You're putting in Geno, and then the kid's going to play too. That The Giants want to go 3-13. and 13. They want to go 2-14. and 14. And if they make that decision, and this is where it would be really ugly, if they make that, if that's what they're thinking, they're looking ahead to the future of the franchise, that is so unfair to Manning and what he has meant to that franchise. He's been nothing but respectful to the organization his entire career. He's delivered. He plays every day. He plays hurt. And to just take the rug out from him, let's listen to the what Eli said in the locker room uh, with the with the reporters. And he's so emotional, and you 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 could probably pick it up just by listening. Uh, but he's he's on the verge of tears. So obviously, this is hitting him really hard. Let's listen in. That's hard. Hard, uh, hard, hard day to handle this, but uh, you know, hang in there and figure it out. Do you feel like stay as a Giant? Uh, it's up there. Yeah. yeah. Do you feel like you might have started your last game for the Giants? I don't know. No, I, I, I don't know. More, I'll uh, take it one week at a time. Last one, guys. Have you spoken to anyone besides Ben about the decision, Jerry or John or anyone like that? Uh, I spoke with Jerry Reese a little bit, and uh, uh, Mr. Mara had you know, he, he hadn't been in uh, today, and uh, but you know he knows what's going on, and um, I'll probably try to speak with him tomorrow sometime. Appreciate you, Eli. I think you have to listen to that, and then if you can go find it, it's on my timeline. It's all over the Twitter. You have to go watch the look on his face. It's the look of he's about to break down. And I think, honestly, it reminds you at this point, if you're Eli Manning in your career, of your mortality, that your career, just like your brother, you are a Manning, but you can be benched. Just like Brett Favre, your career can end with a benching. And I understand that they want to move on. And I think that, if anything, Eli Manning talked about the fact that he didn't want to ceremonially start these games. They, and then to, have, they offered that. Right, they offered. We'll have you start to continue your streak, but then have you know Geno Smith and Davis Webb come in. He said, no, I think that, if anything, it's not that they've moved on. On from Eli, they have, but he is going to move on from them. This is a, I, I don't care about 
analyzing Geno Smith over the next five games, which you don't need to do right now anyways. You literally do not if you're the Giants with an entirely fresh crew coming likely. And Davis Webb, there's time for that. This is going to, that will, none of that will override how disgraceful of a move. This is going to go down in New York sports history as an ugly, one of the uglier moments for the Giants. I really believe that. I, I think it'll be mostly forgotten. Because all the this why is do how, you say that? Because this yeah, is mostly how, forgotten. I really do. Because this is how almost every tell me how it ended for Dan Fouts in San Diego. Tell me That's how San Diego. This is right. New York City with the story Giants. I, he I guess won two point, Super Bowls. Well, for it, it ends agree, ugly. Agree, almost on, how many rings for Dan Fouts? Do you know the right. impact of winning a Super Bowl right. in New York? The impact of winning two. The impact of both being against the Patriots and Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. This guy is a legend. It, it'll it'll go down as sometimes, an ugly end. Sometimes you don't see that, Greg. Honestly, I feel like you downplay what Eli has meant no, to that he, franchise. He has meant and that's everything. That's why this is bigger than Dan Fouts. Of course. It is a seismic moment, not just in New York, but in the NFL, to see kind of one of the Titans and – just that he was there every week. And I think that's why it hurts him so much. He took pride in being there every week. It's an amazing achievement that he started that many games. What I guess I wanted to say was every end is ugly. And this is going to be ugly. People are going to remember the good things about Eli Manning. Because if they didn't bench him, here's what would be remembered. Eli Manning was piloting a dead ship, and he's not a good quarterback now. I know he's having a better year than a year ago, but he was one of the worst three or four quarterbacks in the league a year ago. He's coming off a game where he averaged 2.5 yards per attempt, and I think that game is really important to remember. That was one of the worst games we've seen a quarterback play all season, and that was a game where you can't blame it on the offensive line or the running game, where Eli Manning was having Having one of his worst performances. Now, maybe that's not fair. But that's but the thing people aren't going to remember. The, right. the game he but played two weeks ago. That come, this, come on. this week, I'm saying that I think ownership and maybe the general manager looked at that and they said, what are we doing here? And that was part of the impetus to, to replace so they put him. Geno Smith in? Well, Geno... What does that solve? Like, what if you, had, if you had Patrick Mahomes sitting behind right. Eli Manning? I think you'd have a completely different reaction. You know what? We, we totally honor what Eli's done, but we do have the future sitting it's, behind him. You are putting Geno right. Smith into the lineup. It's disrespectful to bench him at all, and that I get. And I don't think, ultimately, is it worth doing that? It's probably not. But we don't need to hear anything about tanking or about maybe it makes their team worse. They scored three points on offense last week. They are 31st in the league in points scored. They're not going to get worse on offense in particular. They could just stay equally well, as terrible. Let's see how Davis Webb plays with this <laughs> line and these weapons on offense, if, if you can even call them weapons. Uh, it, yeah, it's... And I don't think his career is over either. I think it ends the chapter just like his brother. It ended, ended in Indy, and it ended a little messy in Indy too, but he had a chance to rewrite or write a final chapter, and that's going to happen somewhere probably. I don't imagine he'll retire. It doesn't seem like that's going to happen. I don't think he will. And maybe Jacksonville, a lot of people think, is, makes sense. But he will be in the NFL most likely, just not with the Giants. And that is a huge story this season. It could be the Jets. You never know. I, I think that we're all feeling emotional because we're watching someone that we've watched every Sunday for a thousand Sundays in a row play. A guy that we, the first Super Bowl we went to, Dan, was Eli Manning knocking off the Patriots. We heard that sound clip at the top of this. And I, I simply, like growing up listening to New York sports radio, this does feel like a big moment in New York to me. And I just can't get behind with the Giants, a team that you never, you can always count on them yeah. to, to make pristine decisions. This feels sloppy, and it's unclear where it came from. It did not come from Ben McAdoo, so they're hiding where it came it, from, in my opinion. This is a very strange time for the New York Giants. It, 
and we're seeing that right now how this is being pl- how this is played out. Right. It couldn't it couldn't really be any uglier and it's a shame it's a shame that Eli Manning's run and the the Giants is ending that way. I think I think this year has been ugly and unfortunate for him and his time. They're really the last two years. I know they went to the playoffs, but I think, you know, last year he wasn't the same guy that we saw earlier in his career. All right. So uh, that is the Eli Manning news. Uh, We got a lot more to get to, and Connie Fox is going to join us. So let's get to it. The Tuesday show. Weird. The Around the NFL podcast. Hey, 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 hey. Welcome back, scandalous, to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast presented by Head & Shoulders. My name is Dan Hansis, and I'm joined by a room filled with heroes, Mark Sessler, Colleen Wolf betrayed in a big spot, and Greg Rosenthal. What's up, people? I don't even know what to say at this point. I can't say, money already it's said It's been said it. for you, yeah. yeah. Well, Consider it an homage, like uh, Dan with his Chris true. Berman. That's true, but did you file... Any trademark? It, yeah, I mean, that's... Oh, then money, who's got a lot of jobs. Money has a lot of money. I Wait, you actually Ooh. went through the process of filing a trademark? I find that tough to believe. Well, I, I yeah, no, I'm lying. But maybe I should. Let's look into that. Yeah. Because think about it. Money, he works at NFL Network, mm-hmm. on-camera talent. That's probably pretty good. The voice of the Chargers. Yeah. Not bad at all. And he's also one of the most popular sports radio uh, talk guys in the second biggest market in America. He's the number one show. That's his number main one. job. So, How does he have time to do any of anything? Any of, like, that's crazy. Add it all up. Lawyer up, Connie Fox. Okay. I mean, what's his nickname? Money. I mean, the guy has got financial gravitas. <laughs> I nice, love, like. Nice gravitas reference in a big spot. I love on the, the shows that he's on, like, the font actually says money, Matt Money, <laughs> right. and it's in quotes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, that's a guy that gave himself his own nickname, Dan. You can, you, there is, there is hope for you. Is on that, that true? I'm assuming that. I don't hope. I feel like old Zeus kind of took. Mm. Well, yeah. you should start asking been others, to yeah. put Dan yeah. Old Zeuser Hansis <laughs> That's all right. on the phone. Uh, this is the Tuesday edition of the Around the NFL podcast jam-packed show. Uh, so let's get through what we're going to be talking about today. Monday Night Football, Ravens versus Texans, a game that will be remembered um, for a long time. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> well, for the next 24 hours. There about. We uh, we'll, we'll talk about that. Also, ooh, this is a fun one. Volton, get ready. Hot takes destroyed. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I love it. It's destruction. So, yeah, hot, we'll get into that, that. That was a hot take artist who just went down. Yeah. Burned, <laughs> burned alive. Perhaps one in this own building. And, um, yes, and at the end of the show, a special, special announcement regarding hashtag ATN Oh, my God. Look at that little one. Oh, yeah, some hot cat talk. Cat talk, yeah. For a little pussy cat talk. But before all right, that, all right. what? Let's do a little Monday Night Football recap. Weddle hanging up closer what? to the line. Cody nothing, Jefferson nothing. is deep for the oh, Ravens defense. Person, that's Savage all. throws across the middle. It's intercepted. Anthony Levine at midfield. And down. he'll take it down at the 42-yard line. And with 2.16 left to play, the Hayes in the barn. I like Hayes in the barn guy. <laughs> That's Sandusky uh, of the Ravens radio network. The Ravens forced three turnovers, uh, including two in the final five minutes of gameplay. Tom Savage, no match for this uh, savage oh, Baltimore wow. defense. A 23-16 win for the Ravens on Monday night. Uh, Ravens team that, by the way, 
let's give him a little credit. As a you know, a a primetime juggernaut. I think they've won ten in a row mm. with the lights Jim on. Jim Harbaugh, yeah. Anyway, wow. so uh the Ravens get a big win, six and five. They are in the AFC playoffs right now. Um uh, uh Greg, they took care of business, not an overwhelming effort, but they did it again. They they got it done. They're a strange team and I've been saying they're the favorites to make the playoffs and I won't back off that and yet I don't think you can just lock them in when you're struggling at home against this Texans team when Tom Savage looks like the better quarterback for much of this game against your quarterback that's a problem and they don't really have a pass rush so they're a good defense I don't think they're a great defense like how good can you be as a team if you don't really have a passing game and you don't really have a pass rush I know they got some pressure late in the game after a tackle for the Texans went out uh, and you're playing one of the worst offensive lines, but it's a team with holes. It's just a team that kind of knows how to win these ugly games. You talked about Baltimore versus Pittsburgh's defense on a previous show, how too many times you see a team roll right down the field against Baltimore. It doesn't happen five times in a game, but it happens enough. And it happened early in this game with Savage looking good out of the gate with an opening drive. I mean, clearly the Texans have their own issues on offense, but for me, the, Jadavian Clowney in this game, DeAndre Hopkins. These were the stars of the game, and they couldn't pull out a win. If you're Baltimore, you are watching Joe Flacco's career crumble into dust. The, the centerpiece of their offense is Alex Collins right now. They have watching him miss on deep throws over and wow. over. This was a really rough showing it, on bio again was, by their offense. It's really hard to watch. John Gruden even was calling it out, um, and yeah, Flacco doesn't look good and. He's known for that arm, and at certain at a certain point, it was just it was like kind of like a round peg square hole where he's just like chucking the ball down. Like, hey, I still have a strong. Yeah, I can yeah. throw it far. Is that good enough? Uh, but there's just not there's just not a lot of juice to this offense. But yeah, I I think it's a very good defense. You don't think this is a, a dominant defense? Well, I, I think I think too. Like <laughs> during the broadcast, you heard John Gruden. I'm pretty sure he said that Sam Cook was like. In, in not these words, but he was basically the offensive star of right. the night. Like he provided the right. biggest spark for that offense, and that's the punter. Like with that fake punt, are you kidding me? Right, I can't get behind this. They need at all. those calls to win games. I think. Right, when you have an offense this bad, you get your punter to pick up a big first down. You go for it on fourth down, which was a really key spot uh, in the second half, and they ran the ball, and they picked up the first down. You run the ball on third and eight and and sometimes pick it up. There was a sequence when they were trying to hold on to the lead. Texans were very much in it where they had a third and two where Flacco threw the ball short of the sticks, punted away. They get the ball back. Their defense holds up. They have a third and ten where he throws a completion for a no gain. So they're just – they're throwing one-yard passes instead of even trying to pick up first downs. I don't. I don't think it's a great defense. It's an the okay de- defense. Well, wait, to, the defense has good. so many penalties it's too. Good. That's the, that's the other thing they need to clean that up. I think six of the seven uh, de- uh, penalties that the Ravens had were on the defense. To Dan's point, though, I think it is. It has the earmarks of becoming a dominant defense because, as Gruden pointed out, as a pass seen, rusher, though they don't have any. Pass but they have a lot of. They like Gruden pointed players. out, and I totally agree with him. You see it every week leading up to this. The second year wave of players that they have, they've got a lot of young guys. That, and no teams in the AFC develops defensive players better than the Ravens. And and we should move on, but DeAndre Hopkins just deserves a little love. You mentioned oh, incredible. Yeah. He he might be a first team All Pro. I mean he he destroyed Jimmy Smith Pro Bowl campaign oh in one God. night. He destroyed Patrick Peterson 
a, a week ago. The fact he's getting it done with Savage, who made some nice throws, also killed them with interceptions. That that was the difference. His turnovers, like Hopkins, is just taking it to another <laughs> Did level. Did you see him walk into his press conference and no one was there, and so he walked back out? Tom Savage, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's depressing. <laughs> um, he probably probably walked out with that. To be honest, <laughs> walked up, stood at the podium, and then was like, "All right." Terrell Suggs, nine and a half sacks now, 35 years old. He is the other modern Marvel along with uh, Tom Brady. That guy can get to the quarterback. So it pays for like 15 sacks. He he can. I don't think on a down-to-down basis. And that was on the third string tackle. And a couple of those last night, for instance, were just totally unblocked. He, he's a solid player. I think as a team, they would admit that the, that's like a weakness. There. And they smell the ball. They have an NFL best 26 turnover. So an opportunistic yeah. defense. Uh, there you go. So the Ravens are now 6-5 and five and in good position in the AFC playoff picture. Uh, let's move on and do some news. Bam, bam, bam. In your face. <laughs> All right, let's start with a little um, suspension talk. We love suspension talk. Hopefully this one won't go to like four set, 450 courts. And a woman that's a judge will go to the Poconos for a couple of weeks and we don't have to deal with that kind of stuff. <laughs> that wasn't fun. Uh, but the Broncos uh, and Raiders got into that big brawl on Sunday that started when Michael Crabtree had his chain ripped off his uh, neck for the second time in, in as many years by Aqib Tlaib. And the league announced that both players will be suspended two games uh, for their roles in that scuffle. Uh, both players will appeal the suspensions, according to Rap Sheet. Uh, the bans are a result of violations of unsportsmanlike conduct and necessary roughness rules during the game. It happened in the first quarter, and that's what surprises me, Connie Fox, is two games and maybe it gets knocked down to one on appeal. That seems to happen a lot. Uh, but they already kind of missed an entire game because of this. Now you're taking them out of the, the action uh, for potentially three, three full games. games. That's a little surprising. That's a lot. I mean, the, the sending a message, certainly. Sure. And I and I mean, as you're as you're saying all that, um, we're watching the replay, the highlights, I guess you could say, of the fight. And it, it's like I can watch this over and over <laughs> and over again. And Great I know stuff. that's not what the NFL wants, but it was so ridiculous to watch this happen. And it's just you never know what the what the the NFL is going to hand down in terms of punishment. Well, it just seems like it's pretty unprecedented. It's, yeah. yeah, it's unusual a to get ejected and then to have a suspension follow. That doesn't often happen. But I think the word here is premeditated. And Dan mentioned it. He, Dan, you nailed this on on Sunday night when you felt that Michael Crabtree probably knew that something was up with his little necklace going into the game, and it clearly was. Premeditated actions like this is what the NFL does not want going into any contest. What, gr- what Mark is referring to is a report from Adam Schefter of ESPN. I think we have the tweet if we could uh, bring it up for the video show. Raiders wide receiver Michael Crabtree taped his chain to himself before Sunday's game, knowing he was facing the chain-snatching Broncos cornerback oh. Aqib Tlaib, and Tlaib still got it. Yeah, that's what I was talking on Sunday. He's like, he's staring at the man. He's like, <laughs> I'm going to wear the chain. And then he's like, maybe I won't wear the chain. But he's like, well, if I don't wear the chain, then he wins the battle before I even get on the field. So what I'll do is I'll tape the chain. So it was in his head. I don't think we gave you maybe. enough credit for, for your, uh, your crystal balling of that one. Yeah. And just think about it. Aqib Tlaib already wins. Aqib Tlaib already owns that chain because Mike Crabtree is in the locker room staring at the mirror with, like, masking tape or, or Gorilla Glue, whatever he was using to keep that chain from, like, flashing in Tlaib's face. Didn't work. How is Crabtree's mind on the game on any level 
Tlaib is a well, master tactician uh, well, of he, brain warfare. He is, except he just cost himself. What is brain warfare? More than a million dollars. <laughs> Psychological is what I wanted to there say. You go. Like yeah, he literally just took a million and a million. I think 1.25 million is what he earns in two game checks. And he just set that on fire for being basically a child. And the Crabtree and Tlaib suspensions, I think, happened because if they weren't suspended, they were just going to fight. Every time they ever played in this scenario, like what are you like? Exactly. Maybe it gets reduced down to one, but like at some point, it's like we get it, guys. You guys are just gonna fight every time you play. You kind of have to stop them from doing that, and it's incredibly, I guess you could say, selfish because the Raiders are terrible in terms of their receiver position. Their yeah. third and fourth receivers, they're still in the playoff race, and they're losing Crabtree. Like that's a big loss. And he, Amari he was Cooper not. Percent. He was not thinking about any of that. You know when he was. When you have fight. Marshawn Lynch as the most mature person in the situation, this is something that's completely out of hand. <laughs> that's fair. And, yeah, the the uh, my final thought on it is when they do face e- each other again, Crabtree's going to wear the necklace again. He has He's to. Gonna he get has away to. With He's in too time. deep now. He's wearing- in way too deep. <laughs> I would just Nothing. layer up. I would wear as many as possible. Wearing the chain was like his these colors don't run moment. I would put like, more tape. I mean, I would down. just do layers and layers and layers yeah. of tape. I'm talking thick, but like packing he, tape over this. He really thing. had no choice. If anything, taping it on was was almost. You're right, kind of caving into sleep because he wears that chain every game. It was so a half measure. That's his. That's his it tradition. That's his routine. Like, to him. And if he was gonna, he was just about to do it. He's like, no, I can't wear it because it's a leave. It's like you, you did already lose. He the took. War. He took some of his agency. I wrote about that on the end around. Please check it out. Let's move on. Uh, Mike Tomlin. Oh, Mikey Tomlin. He is. You know, I like this because Mike Tomlin's he's not giving the typical coach speak. Uh, He feels that this upcoming massive Titanic matchup that's coming in week 15 between the Patriots and Steelers. uh, It will likely you don't know what's going to happen, but it has a good chance of determining who has home field advantage uh, throughout the AFC playoffs. And Tomlin was speaking with Tony Dungy. This is a good move by NBC because to get these guys to say anything, set them up as somebody that has a lot of history with yeah. them. I think and Dungy started Tomlin's career. Oh, yeah. And yeah. Dungy not only that said, don't before it started, he said, don't give me the coach speak answers. He there was like, go. come he on, on, give on me the, the real answers. It. Dungy is a broadcasting pro if there was one ever. <laughs> I don't want to go that far, but you were also being sarcastic. So no, I think he's. And this was a step forward in Dungy's broadcasting career. Let's he's put a little it that vanilla. Way. Uh, that I think that's to be blunt about it. But in this case, nice job, Tony. Um, here's what he said. Here's what Tomlin said. I'm going to embrace the elephant in the room. The game, uh, referring to that Week 15 tilt, is going to be fireworks. And it's probably going to be part one. That's going to be a big game. But probably if we're both doing what we're supposed to do, the second one is really going to be a big game. Then what happens in the first is going to set up the second one, which is going to determine the location of the second one. I've been saying this. I'm not not a genius or anything, but I've been saying this all year. All the Steelers' chances, going back to this training camp, was to get a better record than the Patriots or somehow have the head-to-head tiebreaker because I don't think they have a chance in Gillette in the last uh, in that playoff game, but we'll see. And, and I love him saying all this to Tony Dungy, and it is a window into how different the Patriots and the Steelers organizations are. Because I don't even think Bill Belichick. Not only would he not say this, I, I genuinely well, he wouldn't do the interview to start with. Right, right. I genuinely he does interviews with Tony Dungy. He just doesn't say anything. I don't think he honestly would see would believe this. And maybe it's not a big deal. But maybe this is kind of the reason why 
the the Steelers go out on the road and they stink it up against bad teams because take on Why? you well, take on the personality of your coach. He is saying basically, we're going to the AFC Championship game. We should, you know, like that's basically what he's saying. He's like, right. But after the interview, Dungey. Yep. They said they made the same point. Why is why is why is he going on here, Mike Tomlin, and saying all this? This is too much. Why are you putting your team in this position? Dungy said, "Look at the Patriots have been good for two decades. Right. When I was a coach at, with Indianapolis, I I saw it the same way. There's no way that you don't see New England sitting down there. Sure. On, they're the one on the top of the mountain. Belichick doesn't have to look down the mountain at the Houston right. Texans and the Pittsburgh Steelers and all these teams. He doesn't I, have to think I that love way. that he said this. I love that we finally got to hear like some yep. honesty. And he was complete. He's but is it probably going to be part one? If I'm if I'm a Steelers fan, I don't know if it's probably going to be part one. I think there's well, it's part think, one. We don't know if there'll be a part two, and well, I'm that, not sure there will that be. Was, that was the part that that struck me was the part two part. Yeah. Now, this is just part one. The big game's going to be the second one. By the way, part two might end the way every other part two seems to end when the Steelers <laughs> play the Patriots. So let's calm down a little. Uh, finally, uh, the Indianapolis Colts are having a tough season. They are. On the outside looking in, uh, in the playoff picture, a number of difficult losses uh, where they just – we just talked about it on Sunday's show, Greg. You brought it up, how many near misses they've had, and they could really be in the playoffs if they closed out some games. But they haven't, so they're not really in the mix. And you add to the fact that Andrew Luck has missed the entire season. Tough year for Chuck Pagano, who probably won't survive this. Um, good chance he is one of the coaches that goes on Black Monday, which, by the way, Black Monday – is on New Year's Day this year. Is that Great. Perfect. Mm-hmm. For anyone strapped to a news desk, that will be a celebration. I mean, we're all kind of aged out of like wild New Year's Eve shenanigans, but the NFL is making sure we're buttoned up this year. It's like we'll do 16 games on Christmas Eve Ugh. and your cute little podcast that will take you later into the night. And then the next morning, get up because it's Black Monday, bitch. Well, the only thing that might help us a little, because I, I feel like the whole concept that all of this, oh, it's 10 a.m. on Monday, let's start firing everyone. We hear about 80% of these moves beforehand now. Yeah. It, or after. It comes, out, it comes out throughout the week. You're right. Although I think it's been, it's been a long time. I mean, New Year's, I feel like New Year's Day is always an NFL day. Or it has been for, Feels for like many it. years. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, so Chuck Pagano has had a tough season, and he's at his Monday presser. He seemed loose. He seemed almost a guy that maybe was resigned to his fate and was just shooting from the cuff. Some hip. of these sayings are. If you're, hip, hip, if you're shooting, you're, it's from the hip. That's you're where just, the gun is the coming cuff from. Thing, off the you cuff. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's off the, the, the gun isn't necessarily related right to the cuff. It's coming off the hip where the holster is. Shooting from the hip. There you go. You keep your shooting guns in your cuff. cuff. But if you're shooting from the hip, that means you just like you don't care. Yeah, you're it's just, but it's kind of like this. The cuff is more like imagine. What I was trying to yeah, say. you know, you're just doing it from yeah, down there, just kind of like bam, boom. That's what. That's how I shoot. Wow. All right. Anyway, here's Pagano. Here is what I call a monologue from Pagano. Some people might say it's a meltdown. I don't think that's fair. Here's Chuck Pagano's monologue about um, when asked by a reporter if he's concerned that all these losses will lead to some type of mental blockade for his team. Yeah. Yeah, that song we played, you know, woke up to that this morning. Is that Sonny and Cher? Huh? I got you, Groundhog Day. Asked about, was this Groundhog Day? I got you, babe. Right, right. Yeah, went down, got my coffee, said hello to the what's-her-name, the little gal in the coffee shop. It's a little Stole gal. Stole the money out of the back of the truck, drove my truck off the, you know, into the tar pit or whatever, oh off the God. landfill. <laughs> no. Jumped off a building, lived through it. Did you see the movie? 
Did you ever see the movie, Groundhog Day? It's been a long time. What do you guys do? You spend so much time on Twitter, you're not enjoying the better things in life. It's a great movie. Enjoying the better on. things like jumping off buildings. I jumped off the roof at my home this morning. I would like I him still to recap like it. any it's, type I'm not, of movie. It's not going that away. was a great summary of the movie, Groundhog Day. He did an excellent job. No, it's, it's everybody. You guys. He's still going, too. It's the fans. I mean, it's everybody driving up there. It's everybody in the NFL community. Okay. I hope he's There's okay. a storm in the Atlantic. He's fine. Here's, he just doesn't care anymore. Whatever you want to call it. Here comes the storm. Winds are this is hit where he landfall. lost me a little bit. This is kind of like Hurricane Pagano in general. You know, it's coming. Yeah. Third quarter, middle of the third. It's getting late third. They're up 10. <laughs> Got to happen sometime. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy right now. Okay, so the hurricane yeah. is them blowing leads. Hmm. Yes. Okay. okay. Got Something. it. I follow. It is, and and what what's got to happen is you know being Keep in going, Miami Chuck. for six years when them storms start coming Africa. up, Africa, the coast of Africa, and then they're coming <laughs> oh, to the Atlantic, no. and they start coming Africa up. What reference. happens is you get if you get a nor'easter, right? You get a storm up top. So now he's in the there, Miami weather, weather pattern. Before. Right. Everybody has a buddy that's huh? way more Who's into weather. Who's done weather before? Weather that's yeah. that was my well, who favorite. Was yeah. Who's the best dude down there doing weather or do that? Huh? Oh Dude, Ed. Yeah, so when it, when it comes when down, he talking that, about the that storm pressure bands, hits, right? And favorite. it pushes the storm where? Nobody knows, Back out Chaz. to sea, right? And it goes up the coast, and there's very little damage. Those rings that spins this way, and those <laughs> bands up top are the bands, most bands egregious bands. They're far enough the out. Most egregious bands. So when, when, that, when this starts to happen, film your tail off. I love it. Um, <laughs> what? You've got to respond. You know? and when that I like happens, to bring we, it back. We need, a, we need a storm to blow in and push that so it doesn't hit land. I feel like I've so been, now he wants we, the storm. We're gonna do it. I've been so there. The storm's coming, but they need to push back. I don't know. Mark, you had a stern face wow. throughout that press conference. I, thoughts? Two words: sleep deprivation. But I, I come out of it. I, it is funny, but I, fi- I feel a little concerned for the guy. Like if I were at one of his children, I would be right on the phone to dad asking, "Are you okay?" Because it's like. Something was not right about that. We've watched a thousand press conferences from him, and I just think that we're going to find out that something's not all right hmm. there. Agree to disagree. I, 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 I know. I know. No one agrees with me. I guess. Yeah. No, uh, I, I actually agree with you. Because I, I do. It all like at the beginning, he's he's recapping Groundhog Day. It's a bit. I mean that no one really got the bit in the room. I don't think maybe a couple of the, the older guys did. You know, that was a bit. There was nothing weird about it. It just didn't totally land. Once he got into the, the weather thing, I didn't. I wasn't sure, like, where that was going in terms of his overall It was point. like a nervous public speaker, though, completely yeah. spinning out of control. But he's spoken in public 7,000 times. So I just, I, I am baffled by the performance. The reporters really manic. The reporters who know him well and are around him every day actually believe he's having fun in the last two or three weeks. He's having fun? He's kind, yeah, that he's kind of, he knows where he is, he's going to get fired, and that he basically doesn't care anymore. That he, he's just like... He's he, Dennis Miller at the end of the Dennis he's Miller He's being show. who he is. Like, that is Chuck Pagano. He's a little loopy. All right, dude and dudettes, let's, uh, let's move on. <laughs> good job, Chuck. That's some fun out there, Chuck. That's good. The storm bands. Anybody storm out bands. there do weather? <laughs> I like the assumption that uh, the sports reporters in the room have a weather background. Sure. <laughs> right. If you cover anything, you cover everything. Uh, all right. That's what's happening in the news. All right. Now it's time. Oh, yeah. We teased it. Oh, one last thing of news before we, we move on. Greg, you owe some sandwiches because Darrell Rivas signed with the Chiefs. We didn't get a chance to talk about that mm. last week. Uh-oh. Uh, right. But – it was a bit of a instant karma scenario because you threw some shade at me, some skyscraper shade on Twitter that I was going to be making some sandwiches. And Darrell Rivas got a job. And he got a – even though it's a 
we got we got banged on the Connor Orr multi-year contract sandwich wager he made that we all took him on because it's not a real multi-year deal. Good job by Connor. Yeah, who who kind of he had roped us in with that. Yeah, that's one as well. It was karmic payback. Mark randomly threw it threw a tweet out there very randomly that Darrell Revis was just walking <laughs> along a river. Like, what is he doing? No, I just oh, said that he's he, with six million in his pocket. He's sort of floating along the Hudson River doing whatever he wants. Not any, no need to work. And right. Nor did I would think he would ever have been signed this year based then, on the whole contract. And then I responded. You responded. I responded yeah. saying, yeah, he, maybe he's going to pick up some of those sandwiches. And the next day. He, who's he? Pronoun. Darrell Reed is going to pick up those sandwiches for me. Uh, and uh, the very next day. He gets signed. So that <laughs> hurts insane. me. I mean, it doesn't hurt as much um, as it hurts the Jets to be paying him $5.5 million to play against them this week, but it hurts. Yeah, like the Jets care. They actually made oh, out yeah. on this. Uh, oh, yeah. They, they made like $300,000. They made out great. They gave him one of the worst contracts in the last 10 years. He can hang out with Brock Osweiler and talk about found money. Here we go. You know, you lose a sandwich bet, and then you try to turn around into uh, Jets flaming. Yeah. It's a pretty right. good tactic. Good job. Way <laughs> to go. Uh, I'll enjoy your sandwich. Let's now move on to, oh, yeah, hot takes destroyed. Yeah! <laughs> it's really, that's disturbing. I find I, that like, enjoyable. Really I feel like that guy's in the, a same, lot. In the same room as uh, the hot butt guy. That was actually They're Chuck. Together. That was Chuck Pagano in the shower. <laughs> This morning. You, oh, that great. just made you <laughs> giggle. You <laughs> yeah. thought of that. <laughs> okay. um, all right. Anyway, hot takes destroyed. What we're going to do is what's some popular um, thoughts, logic out there in the football cognoscenti. And we're going to really destroy those hot takes. And we're going to start with you, Greg Rosenthal. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, we're going to mix it up here. Keep you on your toes. Um, what hot take would you like to destroy as we head down the home stretch of the 2017 regular season? The hot take I want to destroy is the Russell Wilson for MVP bandwagon that is starting up. Mm. The, hey, like I know you guys are really into, you know, Tom Brady and Carson Wentz, but uh, Russell Wilson to me is more valuable than to his team than anyone else. Like he is caring. He needs to be in the conversation. First of all, you don't, you don't need to have a conversation. You only vote for one player. You don't vote for five players in the conversation is nonsense. When you have two players that are far and away the best two players in the league. You don't need to have a conversation. You don't need to come up with like another cute sort of like, hey, bet you didn't think of this. It's Russell Wilson. Like, he's really doing it this year. Like, this is how we end up with Derrick Rose for MVP over LeBron James in the middle of his prime. This is how we end up with... I don't know, crash as the best Oscar winner. Like you don't need I to, like that movie. You don't need to come up with like a clever <laughs> reason. And the whole reasoning here with Russell Wilson is like who's more important to his team than Russ than That's Russell the old Wilson? thing. Who's yeah. more valuable? Who is more valuable to his team? I'll tell you. T- Tom Brady's more valuable. Right. Like of course, of course Tom Brady's more valuable. Him and friends are having two of the best seasons any quarterbacks had in the last 10 or 12 years. Like Russell Wilson's season is not even in the ballpark of that. Russell Wilson has had two or three games. He's having a great year. He's number three, I think, in the league. So it's not, you know, destroying Russell Wilson. The other two guys have been great week after week after week. People are like, well, you know, he doesn't have an offensive line. Like he's not being helped. Like Exactly. Okay. Or run a game. 
Mm-hmm. Or a running game. That's absolutely true. He is the offense. He is. He does have a defense, and he does have a very good. Kind of. I mean, he, like, well, he has, did have a secondary. Defense. He has a very solid defense okay. at, over the course of the season, and they're fine. He does have uh, a good wide receiver group. How about make your offensive line better? Like, people say, like, okay, like, you have to make your teammates better. You don't think Tom Brady they tried has that made with Ted Karras? And Nate Solder and all those guys better because of what he does as a quarterback. Like, he makes them better. He makes Danny Amendola better. He makes Chris Hogan better. Russell Wilson makes his receivers better, too. But that's a great group of receivers. Look at the receivers when they leave Seattle. Golden Tate. Jermaine Curse. Like, those are good players. Russell Wilson's incredible. But I don't think there's any way you could look at on a week-to-week basis he's anywhere in the same ball. Okay, Greg, this. It's not a straw, man. Day A week ago, the NFL's Twitter account tweeted out Russell Wilson equals MVP I've with some chit-chat. And your boy, Evan Silva, days ago tweeted the same thing. That's his MVP vote. So I've it's not a straw, a man. I'll give you that. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've seen it a lot. Uh, I mean, the amount of scrimmage yards that he's uh, – 82.5% of scrimmage yards on Seattle's offense, that is what he is accounted for. That's the that's highest amount of – Yeah, he doesn't have a running era. game. That, he doesn't have a running game. He does it all. But that's what that is, and it is kind of a tired cliche of a – conversation like all right but who's the most valuable and I that from that standpoint if all right let's best case scenario for the Seahawks they win out and go 11 and 5 and Wilson plays out of his mind it ends up with 36 touchdowns and 700 yards rushing and eight uh, touchdowns on the ground that type of like monster uh, multi uh, head monster season like yeah I think he could be in the conversation but he's he's going up against Maybe the greatest quarterback of all time, probably having his best season or one of his best seasons. That's the whole point is Wentz and Brady are having unbelievably transcendent seasons that I think if you if we watch them week after week and Brady maybe doesn't get the love because he's Tom Brady and you're used to it, like this is better than he's ever been. And yes, he's carrying them, but he a lot of those sacks are on Russell Wilson. Their offense is constructed in a way where the point of it is for him to just run around and kind of make things up as they go. Like they don't really run a normal offense. That's, I feel like you've been nitpicking on Russell Wilson last week. I mean, Uh-oh. Russell Wilson is a total no, magician, so I, I can see why some people right. feel this way. I, another, another option would be to be less attached to these postseason awards, which feel a right. little this, frivolous this to begin is, with. That's fair. It's a hot take. Maybe it has been nitpicking. And it shouldn't be about going against Russell Wilson because I think he's the third best player in the league, the third best quarterback. Like he's having an incredible season. It's just recognizing that the other. He's the third best, and it's not crazy that a big chunk of people would see him as the MVP. I I think it is because the other two are so far and away having much better seasons. It's not just that their teams are better; it's that they're better on a week-to-week basis. All right, uh, Connie, you're up next. All right, great job destroying that. By the way, I think that that was oh totally destroyed. <laughs> there we go. Chuck, take it easy, man. Take, <laughs> oh my take God. a vacation. Go live in the sea. Yes, live in the sea? Yeah, like in an island, not right. in the water. That's the happy Chuck that the reporters are talking about right there. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> okay. My hot take I'm taking down right now. You know, I've been hearing. Well, no, you're not taking it down. Well, the destroy- destroying. I'm destroying it. Yeah. Okay, the hot take that I am destroying right now yeah. is that. Eagles head coach Doug Peterson is too much of a bro. Hmm. I say he's just the right amount of bro. Okay? Like, you might have 
the wine and cheese crowd, the coastal elites out there who's <laughs> saying, oh, no, like you and your visor and your flip-flops. Hello. What you're doing right now, it's coastal too much. Coastal elites, love it. But real Americans like me know that it's just right. And I don't know if you guys heard the press conference yesterday from Yeah, I'm uh, in the dark right now and I'm happy. I'm Eagles head excited. coach Doug Peterson, but let's let's take a listen in case you missed it. Jeffrey said at the beginning of the year that a young quarterback when he starts his first year, he, you know, learns what he learns. The second year he makes a, a few more steps, but his third year and fourth year is when he kind of explodes. Have we seen maybe a premature explosion or is there still an explosion? Um Let's regroup here. Let's regroup. Um, <laughs> Weird day for press conferences. Premature explosion. Wait, wait, but he lost. He lost it again. Yeah, he, he couldn't get it together. He takes another twenty seconds. This is my favorite part about Doug Peterson: the fact that he did what all of us would have done if we were asked that question. Yeah. Marcus Hayes asked that a premature explosion. Right. My my hot take is, you know, this is on Marcus Hayes. <laughs> I mean, how can you say that phrase? Shout out to Marcus Hayes. I love it. I mean, I feel like Belichick's not going to laugh, but I, it would be in Marvin Lewis isn't going to laugh. There's a lot of people that wouldn't, but that's a tough one to handle. Doug Peterson that was, that was special. could not get it together mm-hmm. after that question. It was a like, solid 45 seconds of just like silence and him laughing. And the entire even. press room just broke out in laughter. All right. So now just deconstructing, uh, yeah. deconstructing a little bit. Mm-hmm. Is there some type of opinion out there that he was too much of a bro there? Too much of a bro. That that was part of it. And, uh, you know, he need he needs to be more of a professional and he shouldn't be laughing at Who things like that. Who's having this hot There are a lot of people, many people out there are saying this. <laughs> and, I, and I am saying that they are wrong. I feel you know, like Sean McVay is a little bro-y and that's working out for is. the Rams. And with bro-y. Peterson, you spent half his career hanging out in a quarterback room with Brett Favre. I mean, it's just <laughs> He's a hunting buddy. Right. He's a hunting yeah. buddy. Of Not to Favre. be like a... Washington Post reporter or anything, uh, but I'm just going to dig a little deeper. Yeah. Let's do it. Let's do it. Um, all these people, are, yeah. are there any specific people you could mention that maybe said Doug Peterson too much of a bro? I... John Ronald Gonzalez, born March 12, 1977, <laughs> is an American sports writer who is married to NFL media broadcaster. Oh, okay. Wolf, John, who's a Pisces, resides in Los Angeles with his wife and two dogs. John is a fan. John specifically said that this was a conversation at the ringer yesterday, that Doug Peterson was too much of a bro. Ah. Uh, so I'm destroying it. There Results. you go. Now it's destroyed. Yeah. Results. Yeah. Sorry, ringer. <laughs> All right. I'll go next. Good job, Connie. Yeah. Took that one down. Totally. Took down the whole ringer office, too. <laughs> Eat it, ringer. This is going to be great. Um, okay. Uh, I will. Uh, I am going to destroy the hot take that the Chiefs are done, that the Chiefs season is over. And I get it. Wow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's, that's the Chiefs right there. That's how it feels if you are a Chiefs fan right now. Like, you are burning to death, but... The fact of the matter is the Chiefs are never as good as they were week one through five, and they're not as bad as they have been from whatever it is, week seven to week 12 or whatever it's been. Like, So I believe there will be a little course correction here. I think a lot of people, there's a, a sense now, a lot of people, the ringers talking about it, I'm sure. <laughs> um, there's a sense that the Chiefs now are in a free fall, and that certainly could happen. But when I really take a step back, do you want to – 
just be a slave to what's happening in the moment? Or do you want to realize how these seasons go up and down like a roller coaster? And I think the the head coach, who I trust, Andy Reid, to see them out of this, the quarterback, now do I think Patrick Mahomes maybe, maybe could help this team at this point, a shot in the arm? Yes, but also the West take that Alex Smith is having a great season on balance and to stick with him, that is probably the more prudent move right now. And let the veteran quarterback and the veteran coach and those good skill makers and Kareem Hunt to come out of his slum, it's certainly more possible to me that they get things straightened out and win 10 or 11 games rather than they end up going 6-10. and 10. Oh, yeah. So I am flaming that hot take that it's time to take the Chiefs out of consideration and not even to think about that. I'm not saying they're at the, the Patriots level or the Steelers level, but to, to now say, oh, but yeah, put everybody in there. Put the Ravens in there. Put the Bengals in there. Put the Chargers in there. Everybody calm down. The Chiefs aren't dead. Even I, I'm with dead you right because, now. A, they're winning the divi- a, a bad division. They're a, a game up. And Chargers they, are coming up quick, though. They are, but if they don't, if you don't win the division, one of these teams, you're probably probably not going to be a wild card team. Who knows, though? But Kansas City, if you want to pick a team that has shown you that they can get out of a slump and, as you said, course correct, they'd be them. The definition of over, it's not. How far they're going to go this season, I don't bring up the Chargers. A perfect example. I get it. Everyone loves the Chargers now, and they've been playing very well on both sides of the ball the last few weeks, but. Let's not now pencil them in to right. surge into January I'm, when the Chiefs are still in the picture. Or I, use a pencil, I'm not a pen. penciling them in. I'm very <laughs> un- <laughs> as a as a longtime Chargers uh, homer on this podcast, really, that I've been wrong a million <laughs> times about. Like, I'm uncomfortable with the idea that now, like, they're the favorites. Like, they're the expected team. Like, what could go wrong with a five and six Chargers team that's a game behind trying to get into the playoffs? Right. Yeah, like, it, just lock it up. And, and by Chargers the way, win! <laughs> the Chiefs don't play a team with a winning record the rest of the season. But what the heck is so happening they at to least, them? They at it's- least have a chance to beat bad teams like the Jets or the Broncos and, and win a couple, at Jets, a couple of those games. Home against Raiders. Home against Chargers. Huge match, matchup in Week 15. Home against Dolphins and then at Broncos. So that is a nice be, schedule. They couldn't do anything against right. the Giants and or the Bills. If they right. stay at this level, right. they're going to be lucky to win one more game. I'm just saying I think yeah. I, I'm more confident that they, they find a way out of this funk. I think people okay. want them to be over with the way they're playing right now right. more than most people believe that. But I couldn't agree oh, more right. with your it's take. Because the, char- the playoffs would be f- more fun with Chargers. Chargers, right? Like we got to flex the Ravens out of the playoffs too. I feel like Please. that's but that's the next movement. Hashtag flex Ravens. Gonna get one of these. Of, one of yeah, these. Yeah, I guess you're gonna be stuck with. I'm one. not buying the the Ravens at all. Did did that take it destroyed? I it's think so. done. I think, you, I think you wiped yeah. it out. Goodbye. It's it. out. It's Officially. destroyed. Mark. All right. Close us out. Destroy a take now. How about this over? You see this everywhere on Twitter. Chuck. <laughs> People think the NFL is free. People think the NFL is free of witchcraft. I see this everywhere on Twitter. <laughs> this hot take is going down right now. Nonsense. I'm Twitter. here to tell you that a 20-plus year dark magic curse has draped itself over the National Football League. <laughs> Wait, one sec. Mark is reading from a script. Whenever Mark's reading from a script, gonna something's going to go down. Well, so especially great. when it's two pages. <laughs> That's highlighted. Right. highlighted. Let's try to get through it, people. Everyone get comfortable. Right. Let's try to get through it. 
One that, all right, I'm going to have to go back here. Well, I have to tell you that there is a 20-plus year dark magic curse that has draped itself over the NFL. One that has brought a magical streak of happiness to Patriots fans who have come to believe they deserve it. An endless, insane heartbreak to Browns fans. Dan Hansis came closest to the truth by suggesting that Cleveland's football complex in Berea is built above an Indian burial Definitely ground. Is. But it goes much deeper. I am preparing to release a 220-page report on this, but some basic bulleted, bulleted details. One, January 1st, 1995, Bill Belichick's Browns beat Bill Parcells' Patriots 20-13 in the AFC wildcard game. Remember that fact. Cleveland enters next season viewed as the AFC favorite for the Super Bowl. But nine months later, Browns owner Art Modell announces the move to Baltimore. An annoyed Bill Belichick is summarily dismissed as Browns coach and immediately joins Bill Parcells' in New England as assistant head coach of the Patriots. In 1996, the Browns no longer exist as a football team, spinning only in darkness. Months later, Parcells and Belichick go on to the Super Bowl 31 with the Patriots. Fast forward three seasons to 1999. The Browns return to the NFL to begin a run of failure unlike any suffered by any team in NFL history. Following that season, months later in the year 2000, Bill Belichick is named head coach of the Patriots. Months later, Belichick quietly drafts Tom Brady, a college backup. They win a Super Bowl one year later. Meanwhile, the Browns are already onto their second head coach and pondering a quarterback switch. This hexed inverse relationship between Cleveland and New England is only strengthened in 2002. Cleveland's only sad playoff appearance since their wildcard win over the Patriots in 1995 comes, yes, in 2002, the year the Patriots surprisingly missed the playoffs. It is New England's overtime loss to the Dolphins in Week 17 that directly helps propel the Browns into the postseason. Since then, the Patriots game. have used one coach and one starting quarterback to author the greatest run in football history. Since then, the Browns have been the dictionary definition of the opposite, the yin and the yang, the dark and the light, shuffling through 75 head coaches and 196 quarterbacks. One inexplicable blip on the radar came when Eric Mangini, the man who came closest to revealing the evil secrets behind the Patriots' dark empire, took over as Cleveland's coach. In 2010, Mangenius authored one of the weirdest NFL results over the past decade, a 34-14 Browns romp over Brady and the Patriots. This unusual victory came on November 7th. 15 years earlier, the Browns' move was announced 24 hours previous on November 6th. The hex was nearly broken, but the the Patriots and Belichick held strong. One final paradigm shift recently revealed itself. Cleveland's pursuit of Jimmy Garoppolo nearly came to fruition this past offseason when Jimmy G announced farewell to New England with a late-night Instagram post. The curse held strong, though, as the post was quickly and mysteriously erased. Jimmy G claiming that hackers posted it, and the trade didn't happen. Not until Belichick intentionally prevented Garoppolo from going to its inverse identity, Cleveland, New England's polar opposite, instead shipping the prize quarterback to San Francisco. Hope you've enjoyed it, Patriots fans. Whoa. Watching your faces during that was really That's just the beginning of it. It goes deeper than that? Oh, yeah. What? All right. What is. When is this report being? So, wait, there there was witchcraft, but then sometimes the Browns win over the Patriots. How is that related to the the witchcraft? They came close. There have been struggles to reverse this witchcraft. And Mangini. Where was the proof of the witchcraft? Mangini 
who knew about you know, who understands how New England operates behind the scene and came very close to bringing that whole thing down, became Cleveland's head coach and up against New England had a chance to reverse it all, Romeo destroys Cornell, New too. England. Romeo Cornell was always on the outside. Little too happy-go-lucky. And New England loses that game to Cleveland. What do they do? They rip off 10 straight wins to end the season or something like that. So the hot take Whoa. destroyed is that the NFL is free of witchcraft. Yes, and it is not. Well, there you go. I mean, I, I guess I, that I, was destroyed. I have no counter argument. Are they that. talking about that at the ringer, too? <laughs> we should bug the ringer Maybe. office. <laughs> you should. know how they, they like would, <laughs> in Watergate, didn't they, they bug? Yes, yeah. or, or Nixon used to bug the White House. He also they, had his phone calls recorded, yeah, which w- 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 that was his undoing. They broke into the Watergate building. I, I don't even know why we would need to bug the ringer's office. Yeah, well, let's do it. Do Maybe that's yeah. where the witchcraft is coming from. Uh, the ringer is how, how many years old? Four? Five? It's pretty new. Several, a couple years old. So, no, I think that's, that's, that's newer. This is, could this, just be its this new This dates home. back to the, the witchcraft of the mid-90s, mm. which I don't approve of. But you know mm. who works or the movie on the ringer is Michael Lombardi. Yes. Oh, Mark, you have thoughts there on you go, Michael Lindsay. Lombardi. Connect the dots. <laughs> he was a former Browns employee, such as was your dad, Lindsay. I'm the, I used to I'm work still, with Mike Lombardi in I'm Philly. still struggling to see where the kernels of the Greg, as a Patriots crack. fan, I understand why you're going to be the stronghold of doubt and <laughs> refusing to believe anything beyond the facts here. Mm. So you're beyond, basically taking down Greg. Well, in this. As always. No, not at all. I think the I think the Peel Patriots the fans of the onion. Patriots <laughs> fans simply believe this oh, it's like we've how many times have we cited Belichick's genius on the show already before my statement? Five, six today? It's all assumed that it's Belichick and everything's perfect. But for two thousand two it just sort of stopped for a minute for some reason. There's attempts to reverse it. Yeah. Attempts I mean, to reverse it. Things almost become undone, and then they get spin back if it's serious. not strong enough. So there you go. Four for four. Hot takes. Debunk. Done. Maybe. Destroy. Yeah. Very powerful. Very powerful. Very painful <laughs> for the people that held, held those hot takes close mm-hmm. to their heart because they no longer exist. All right. Real quick. Thursday night football preview. Um, oh. Oh. Guess what it is? What? It's the Shoulders of Greatness. Presented by Head and Shoulders. Thursday night football. The Cowboys at Redskins. Mark, I want to call this a loser goes home match, but we just did that with the Cowboys and Chargers last Thursday. So is this just a loser match? Shoulders of mediocrity. Oof. I mean, it's it's, – I think the one thing that we probably agree on is that I wish the Redskins were in the AFC because I think they could get a playoff spot. They're still fun to watch, in my opinion. The Cowboys, they've really statistically and just you know in terms of the eye test, have spun completely out of control since Ezekiel Elliott left the building. And they had Tyron Smith last back last week. It didn't really make much of a difference in terms of their passing game, their offensive production, and any chance to think that they're going to go on some sort of a streak to save their season, in my book. Yeah, I mean, we saw in that game Zach Martin go down, too, on the offensive line. We knew that they were sort of struggling already, but he's practicing now, so that's good. We know uh, I don't think Sean Lee is going to play in this game but on the defensive side of things, um, but Anthony Hitchens is expected to practice a little bit. I mean, their defense is so banged up right now, so if they don't have Hitchens out there either, that could be a major problem. They've been part of the problem. Teams are spending keeping the Cowboys defense on the field a long time, kind of yeah. using the Cowboys approach 
how they used to beat teams where they're just loading up on long drives, time of possession. That's exactly what the Redskins do well. And the Redskins defense have been playing better lately. Junior Gallette is playing really well the last three or four weeks at, in the pass rush. And you have him, you have Kerrigan, you have a, a really good cornerback group, and it's not a good matchup for Dak Prescott and Des Bryant, who are struggling to get anything done. Mm-hmm. This is They're both five and six, both teams. So they're not technically out of it. I think the Red, the Redskins, it would be kind of crazy if they won six straight to go to the playoffs, right. but crazier things have happened, including in Washington. I mean, you could, you could win out and still miss the playoffs at 10 and six in the NFC, but you certainly can't lose again. So from that, through that prism, this game still has some meaning and it's going to be a desperation affair on both sides. So I think there could be some juice in this game. And I am interested to see now that the Dak Prescott has really eaten some humble pie for a few weeks how he reacts in this game, and I think we, I think it's going to be a good game. Yeah. I got a good feeling about this Thursday night I think game. Samaj P. Ryan, I mean, he's coming off a big game, and I think it was back-to-back 100-yard game yep. that he had, and he'll be able to run Sammy P. too. Sammy P. Sammy P. I think this is a big five weeks for Des Bryant. I think Des Bryant's a huge part of the problem in Dallas. He's not coming up down with those 50-50 balls. He's getting paid <sighs> like a superstar, I think, Something like I think it's a big five weeks 15, for Jason Garrett, fifteen, sixteen million dollars or something this year, and I think he's due thirteen. I I think, I think Des has hurt their team. Like I think they might have been a better team literally if Des Bryant wasn't on the team. And I think they have to think about that going into next year. And I think how he finishes off this well, season is going to have a big impact. Yes, and Des hurting the team. It's also the Cowboys failing to develop another receiver to let him maybe slide into a more maybe a number two role if that's where he's at in his career now. They just don't have. They don't have big guy, another big guy on the outside to kind of slide into that role. Maybe, I mean, he could go. I think Mark, you're making a good point. I think Jason yeah. Garrett. They need to finish the season out. Yeah, well, especially with all the players kind of Teflon there, frustrated with the lack of coaching, like with the lack of scheme changes and adjustments too. That's a big deal. Oh, pick the game. I'm going Skins. I'm going Redskins. I can't pick the Cowboys the way they look right now. Got to go. Redskins, although I think Dallas, because they they practiced on Sunday. I think they're trying to make this a different type of week. Uh, 27-24 Washington. Woo! They they are. Both these teams are in the rare Thursday, Thursday back to back. So they're in that strange sort of like their whole their whole life. Well, and so Cousins is one and nine now on weekdays in his career, and just won a game on Thursday, and now plays on Thursday again. How many quarterbacks get off an 0-9 weekday schneid by winning two straight Thursday games? I don't think that's ever happened in NFL history. <laughs> Is this I, I think there's probably never been an 0-9 weekday schneid, schneid, schneid that's ever been broken either. <laughs> that, you're, right, you're right, stat. Connie Fox. That is more NFL witchcraft. Yeah. Uh, that is I'm convinced sh- now. <laughs> that is some shoulders awesome. of greatness. Woo! Sort of greatness. Presented by Head & Shoulders. All right, before we go... Um, yes, Mark, I'm going to throw it to you because, of course, uh, last month you found an abandoned kitten in your yard named Boo. Boo. Boo did not make it. Mm. Uh, but mom kept the old irresponsible mom, hag that she is, kept showing up and birthed more cats. Well, okay. So let's start there. And I'll throw it to they, you. Those, yeah, they were, they were the probably part order. of the same. Yeah, exactly. If you're if you're if you're on the video show, you can see know. one of them. I don't know. Like cats work. Is this one the one that's this is not boo? This is a new got cat. Got a couple more. Oh my yeah. god! I, how cute. Yeah. So three cats um, we found in a little alleyway, fenced in part behind our house. And the mother, I think that the way that cats work, feral cats, is that the mom will abandon one that's just simply not 
fit to live. And I think the boo was in that category. That's what we were told by a shelter. So the mom has come back and and fed these. And these cats are getting stronger by the day. And uh, we still have to find a way to get them to safety beyond our home. Uh, but but it, but in terms of you're boo, allergic or else you I'm deathly allergic. Like that's it's the thing. I woke an issue up, in the house. Yes, it's like it's not our house is not a rescue. Are they in the house? What's the no? Problem? But they're like their little kitty dander, or whatever, is floating yeah. in through windows. And like I woke up Jeez. with like my left eye shut. Well, you have two eyes. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's what Simone said. So here's the thing, though. Your sons and your wife are not like very supportive. Colton literally asked if we could trade Daddy for the for Boo when Boo is still alive, which I you know I tried not to <laughs> take offense to. Uh, but I will say this, because Boo passed away, and before we found the cats, our producer, Lindsay, had a great idea. And uh, Lindsay, well, let, why don't I let you talk about it? So we thought that we would take a, a sad situation and turn it into a little bit more of a positive one. So we started a, a GoFundMe campaign, and it's actually, if you go to GoFundMe.com slash ATNCat, Nice and easy to remember. Uh, you could donate to that, and all of the uh, funds from that will go to the Karma Rescue. They found us a cat to sponsor, and his name is Jerry. Jerry! That's If you're on the video show again, that's a picture of Jerry. That's the cat we are sponsoring. It's a solid cat. Yeah, we can Very put nice. that on social cat. media, too. So Is Jerry drooling? No, I think that's bit. his fangs. He's, he's rabid. He's got oh, like an yeah. overbite with oh, fangs. Oh, no! Yeah. He's not rabid, for the record. That's no. a joke. So what? Perfectly GoFundMe.com slash ATN. Do it. Don't yeah, and we'll tweet this out as well. But um, yeah, we'd like to help them out. And maybe they could help us take these three cats in my yard, too. Yeah, that would be good. Because you're, you know, life, it really depends Give and take, on baby. Gotta go. All right. I so thought we you were almost saying. Did it. We made I know. It. It's we 1130. No, you already don't let her go. I've already let All right. Made it. That's it. We made it. That's it for Tuesday's show. Uh, yes, this is the video show. Uh, so just a reminder that... Uh, this evening, um, if you go to NFL.com slash ATN video, beginning at 6 p.m. Pacific, which is 9 p.m. Eastern, which is go figure it out uh, overseas, <laughs> uh, you could check out this show and uh, all the fun that we had today. Also, a reminder that NFL Pick'em on NFL Network airs on Saturdays at 8 a.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Eastern, and 11 p.m. Eastern, and then Sunday morning, right before uh, Colleen's game day morning uh, show, uh, 6 a.m. Eastern. So that's the show. Thank you, everyone, for um, following along. This is Dan Hansa signing off for A Quiet Storm, Connie Fox, the old boss, Lindsey Fulton, and Christian Anderson behind the glass. Thanks for the help, as always. Till Thursday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. 
Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA.